With upsets happening every weekend in college football, finding the best place has not been an easy task. And the stakes are rising as we head into week four. But this is what our college football crew is here for. They're getting ready to go over some of the biggest matchups as we head into another packed weekend. Chaos, you say? If you have been enjoying our shows, like and subscribe to the channel. We'll be back Wednesday with part two. Here's Gary Seegers, Kyle Hunter, and Parker Fleming. Enjoy the show. Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. This is week number four, and it is part one. So today we're going to discuss the early slate. Of course, we do have a part two on Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you would, go ahead and make sure that you are subscribed and that you hit that notification bell so that you know when we are live. Go ahead and tell you who the experts are that will be joining us today as they do every single week. To the left, we've got Parker Fleming. Of course, he is our numerical guru, our statistical analyst, whatever kind of fancy names you can come up for him. You can find him on Twitter, at Stats of War, and on the right, Kyle Hunter, an award-winning professional handicapper. He is our award-winning professional handicapper. You can find him on Twitter, at Kyle Hunter Picks. Uh, gentlemen, we'll start off with you, Parker. How you feel about last week? Uh, I feel I feel bad. I, I thought I was going to get uh, I thought I was getting in the positive there. And let me tell you that the Mississippi State game in particular really, uh, really irked me with uh, losing that one on a on a weird punt. But you know what? It's a long season. And uh, I, I think we've got another good slate of games this week. Yes, we do. Kyle, how about you? Of course, you were a monster last week. We'll, we'll do the picks recap in just a minute. But uh, yeah, pretty good week for you, my friend. Yeah, it's been a great last couple of weeks, but, uh, you know, we're going to have weeks where one of us do well and the other does well a different week. And we'll just try to pick up the whole group. And uh, hopefully long term, we we all finish with a great record by the end of the season. You are correct about that. Of course, those guys are the BetUS experts. BetUS, where the game begins. Let's go ahead and give you the promo code so that you can sign up and you want to take advantage of this. NCAAF. 2021 is the promo code. You get 125% sign-up bonus. It's awesome. I'm telling you, it's up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive. I cannot stress enough how important it is that you go ahead and take advantage of this. There is a link in the description. Go ahead and get signed up for that. Uh, I'm telling you, the promo code again, NCAAF 2021. Link in the description. Do it to it. Now, again, reminder, like the video for us. Go ahead and knock that thing out. You can jump into the chat as well. There will be a Q&A at the end of the show. So go ahead and take advantage of that. Jump in if you've got some games that you want to discuss. Or just let us know what your picks are on the games that we are going to go through. Each different one, uh, the Q&A at the end of every single show has been a lot of fun thus far. So make sure you can look on the screen in just a little bit. You'll see what games we are going to discuss. If there are ones that are not on there that you want to hear about, toss it into that chat. And uh, you can also leave comments after the show as well. But like the video, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell so that you will know when we are going live. We do part one every Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern time, and part two, which is the afternoon and late slate. Uh, that will always be on Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time as well. Gentlemen, let's talk about the recap from last week. We're going to talk about, uh, well, not talk about, we'll just give you the numbers. We like to be transparent here. So far, uh, overall on the season, I am 12, 9, and 2. That's 12 wins, 9 losses, and 2 pushes. 
Kyle now sitting at 11 wins and six losses. Parker, 14 wins, 16 losses, and two pushes. That puts us at a total of 37 wins, 31 losses, and four pushes. We are above water, and that's definitely good. As we are heading into week four, that is uh, technically four weeks of picks because, of course, we did have week zero. So, yeah, we, uh, we are rocking and rolling with this. I'm feeling good, and that sets us in motion to go ahead and start talking about games because we got a lot of them today. So let's jump into the first one, a Friday night tilt. Liberty heads to Syracuse Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern time. The spread currently Liberty, a six-point favorite, juiced at minus 115. Total is 52. And look, Hugh Freeze has got this thing rolling with the Liberty Flames right now. 14-2 and two against the spread in their last 16. They have covered 11 straight. They did beat Syracuse last year, 38-21. to 21. That was one of uh, two ACC wins that they got, and they were one point away from having three ACC wins last year. They have covered five straight on the road as well. Syracuse, four and six against the spread as a home dog. Uh, Liberty, look at number number 27 in the country in points per play margin. At, that is one spot below Alabama this year. Kyle, let me go ahead and, and get you in here. I want to know your thoughts on, on Liberty and why maybe the line is a little short uh, with, with Syracuse here. Yeah, so uh, Liberty is hard to go against at this point. Hugh Freeze, a covering machine. The guy's 67 and 35 ATS. They've won 11 straight against the spread, as Gary mentioned. Uh, Syracuse's numbers, to me, look a bit skewed. They're second in the nation in havoc on defense. PFF grades them as the fifth best defense in the country. Can't imagine anybody actually thinks this is the fifth best defense with Syracuse. So um, they haven't played a top 80 offense in the country yet. Liberty is that offense. They're going to be far better than anybody else they've played. Um, Malik Willis has always been a good runner. You know, uh, we've known for a long time he could run. He's gotten better passing. And now that they have more of the dual threat ability, it makes this uh, Liberty offense really, really tough. Liberty's defense is 14th in yards per play allowed, so they're very solid defensively. They've improved a lot defensively the last couple seasons. Their defense, very good in the front seven. Their weakness is in the secondary. The question is, can Syracuse take advantage of that weakness? I don't think they can. Syracuse's offensive line is a major problem, as we've said before on this show. Um, I think that manifests this week that they show up as another major problem. Syracuse has slowed down their tempo. From a couple years ago, we've seen this total move down quite a bit. Kind of kicking myself I didn't take this under. I think this was good play here earlier in the week. Liberty is 123rd out of 130 in the nation in tempo, so they've been really controlling the game, long, slow drives. Uh, I still lean to the under if I had to take the total. I certainly lean Liberty as well because I don't think Syracuse is going to score very many points. Uh, I think this Liberty defense will look pretty good here against Syracuse in this one. Parker, I know that you've got a good feeling on this one. Uh, tell me about Liberty and and what Hugh Freeze is doing. Well, I, I wanted to start with Syracuse because, look, I respect the weirdness of the Carrier Dome, man. Anything can happen <laughs> at a Carrier Dome. That's that's not going to happen this weekend. But uh, Syracuse scored 60 points last week. The last time they've scored 60 was week two of 2018. Uh, just a really rough scene there, and I kind of understandable why we took, you know, Syracuse under three wins this season. One thing that stood out to me about this matchup is of course Malik Willis, but then the talent differential. Um, This is where you can see aggregate numbers get a little bit confusing because 
Syracuse is about 68th in team talent composite, and Liberty is in the 115 range. That's a little bit confusing because Liberty has some partial scholarships and and some you know extra uh, extenuating circumstances. But generally, it, it's important to remember that the difference between um, team number one, you know, Alabama, and Syracuse team number 68, is not linearly the same as you know, Syracuse team 68 to team 126, uh, which is about the range Liberty is. It's, it's not a linear kind of difference all the way down. So Liberty and Syracuse, even though that looks like a big gap in talent, is actually a lot closer um, <clears throat> than, than, than than that number makes it look. One thing I, I do notice about Liberty is they are going a lot slower. They're rushing on 58.5% of early downs. Like Kyle said, that, that that's 79th, and that's intentional. One thing that kind of skews that is that Malik Willis has been really, really relying on his legs. Now, this is not an NFL draft show, so I don't actually care about what that means as his development <laughs> as a prospect right now. But I will say he's way, way more efficient when he is um, scrambling. He's He's been pressured on 29 dropbacks and only attempted a pass on 11 of them. So I don't expect Syracuse's pass rush to be extremely formidable, but I think that a broken play here is going to be Liberty's best play just by virtue of Malik Willis being the most athletic player on the field um you know uh 19th overall in uh epa per play for liberty on offense syracuse's defense is allowing negative 0.201 of course i don't count fcs stats because those make you feel good and help you iron out things but aren't really predictive so a huge difference here um and i i, I have this kind of on its face as as liberty by uh at least eight. So I think that Willis will have a big day. I think that his rushing threat will cause Syracuse to try and drop back or excuse me, uh, attack him a little bit more. And and that's really going to free him up to work on some of the passing issues that he, he has had this year. He is completing, you know, 80% of his passes. So not, not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, looking to be an NFL draft pick, you, you know, you want to see that passing game develop. I think that Syracuse is going to have to pick their poison against Liberty and Liberty's going to be happy to beat him either way. I tend to agree with you. I'm not going to make a play on this, but uh, but let's go ahead and jump into the official picks here. And the only official play that I've got written down is Parker. Liberty minus six, and it, it is difficult to go against them right now. Uh, I don't know about the Carrier Dome. I don't know what's going on. Syracuse seems at least respectable right now, I guess. Uh, I'm not going to play it, but I can see where Parker's going with it. So Liberty minus six is the official play that will move us into the big game, of course, on Saturday. Notre Dame, Wisconsin, in Chicago. It's going to be at Soldier Field. The line sits currently the Badgers, a six and a half point favorite, total of 46 and a half. Whew, there is so much to discuss with this. Uh, it is a neutral site game. It is going to be fantastic television. I would. I would tend to say at Notre Dame four and six against the spread their last 10 as an underdog Wisconsin, however, four and six against the spread their last 10 as a favorite, uh, not, no betting trend here, no real betting trend at all. Notre Dame has not looked great, but they do have a, a somewhat of a talent advantage. They are number 12 in team talent composite uh, versus Wisconsin number 21. What I'm curious about is Graham Mertz, right? We, we know that Wisconsin has a good defense, um, is Graham Mertz a, a good enough passer to be able to beat Notre Dame? Notre Dame, I don't believe that they can score a ton of points. The stats right now, number 101 yards per rush. Um, that's 2.9 yards per carry this year for Notre Dame. You don't expect that. And Wisconsin, I mean, they are number six in the country, yards per rush defense, only giving up 1.8. Wisconsin is coming off of a bye. That means that, that Paul Christ and that bunch has had 
two weeks to gear up for this game. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, Kyle, we'll go back to you on this and tell me about the Fighting Irish and the Badgers here. Yeah, so 69% of the bets here on Notre Dame, but 58% of the money on Wisconsin. So certainly some sharp money likes Wisconsin in this game. Badgers off a bye week. I think that probably has something to do with it. Uh, This game at Soldier Field, like you said, you know, Notre Dame wasn't terribly impressive against Purdue last week, even though they won that game by a a decent margin. I believe they were outgained by just a little bit in that game, Um, had a little bit more yards per play than did Purdue, but not terribly um, efficient in that game. I do worry about Notre Dame's defense against the run here, 4.32 yards per carry allowed. At the same time, Penn State slowed down the Wisconsin running attack pretty well. Uh, I don't know how good the Wisconsin offensive line is yet. You know, we don't have much of a sample size to look at from Wisconsin. So we're flying a little bit more blind on that one. Notre Dame's given up 14 sacks so far this year. I think Wisconsin can get pressure on Notre Dame in this this one. And I, I tend to agree with Gary that I don't think Notre Dame is going to score too many points in this one. So the question is, how many points is Wisconsin going to score? Uh, a strong lean to the under for me on this game. Wisconsin's 111th in tempo in the nation. They usually finish in the bottom 10 or 15. I assume they will again this year. They run it on about 70% of plays almost every year. I think they will again this season. So very reliant on the run. I don't trust Notre Dame too much. Um, I don't have any strong lean on this game other than the under. So uh, I know Parker likes Notre Dame more in this one. I'm pretty neutral on the side. I like the under pretty well. Now, Parker, it, I, I would love to see what Marcus Freeman does, the defensive coordinator from Notre Dame, in this spot. I don't think he's going to be able to do what he did against Purdue, where he only had five guys uh, basically in the box. Didn't have to worry about the run too much. I don't think you can do that with Wisconsin. However, I don't know whether or not Graham Mertz is actually better than than Jack Cohn, right? So Cohn, of course, the new Notre Dame quarterback, this is a big revenge spot for him. He lost his job to Graham Mertz. Tell me, tell me about these two teams. Where should we be looking? What's the interesting uh, matchup? This is a really nice matchup, Gary, of kind of inverse strengths. So uh, if I'm Wisconsin, of course, I want Notre Dame to beat me through the rush. And Notre Dame's going to try. Kyron Williams is, is arguably Notre Dame's best player, one of, the, one of the better running backs in the nation. Notre Dame so far is negative 0.213 EPA per rush, um, which is 117th in the nation. Now, of course, opponent adjustments matter, but still, that's that's not what you want to see in the in the in the raw numbers. Opponent adjustments can only overcome uh, some of that. Wisconsin's defense so far second, negative 0.415. Um, they they really did well against Penn State. Um, it's it's interesting because if you look at their past opponents, Notre Dame actually had a negative net success rate against Purdue which is kind of an indicator that Purdue was more efficient than Notre Dame. And uh, Wisconsin actually had a positive net success rate against Penn State. And so kind of two results there that might be misleading. I do think that I'm not... Uh, I'm taking Notre Dame here simply because I do believe that the pace will be grueling. I do believe will be defensive heavy. I think that Notre Dame will sit back and say, I would like for Graham Mertz to beat me. Um, the difference with with Purdue, obviously, is that uh, at the risk of sounding like a, an old fast food commercial, um, Wisconsin has the beef, whereas Purdue doesn't. And so if you if you drop eight, Wisconsin is gladly going to run over you with those hardy uh, Midwestern men. And so uh, looking at this, Early downs rest rate for Notre Dame, 51.3, 67.5 for Wisconsin. This is going to be a physical game. This is going to be a slow game. I think it'll come down um, to, to a, a razor-thin margin. I woke up this morning and got a point on uh, on Notre Dame, and I felt good about that. So as, as much as I don't believe that Cohn is very good, as much as I believe that we have a small sample size on Mertz and he hasn't really excelled up to the level that he um, began at last year is what I'll say there. Um, 
<laughs> I do think that this will be uh, kind of an interesting chess match to see who's going to be able to kind of dictate the pace, um, especially given that, you know, there's there's complementary strengths with the run and the pass there. Wisconsin's passing defense, they got carved up by Penn State and, and Dotson, negative 0.286. And so uh, I think this will just be really, really fun to see as someone who really likes football and likes kind of the strategy match of football. How are we going to play this game of how many men are going to be in the box? How reliant is Wisconsin going to be on play action? How much is Notre Dame going to try and get Kyron Williams going? And so um, ultimately, I think that this will be very, very close. If I had to pick money line, I think I'd pick Wisconsin. But getting six points, I'm, I'm there for Notre Dame. That does make absolute perfect sense. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the official picks here. And Parker, again, the one that has the play, he is riding Notre Dame plus six and a half. And I can understand it. I think both of these coaches, Brian Kelly and Paul Christ, would be totally fine with a 16 to 10 game like we saw with Penn State, Wisconsin earlier uh, this season. So with that said, we will go ahead and move off of that into game number three. And this is an absolute barn burner here. Bowling Green headed to Minnesota. 31 points is the line in favor of, of course, the Golden Gophers. And the total sits at 51. It is not often that you see a total of 51 with a spread of 31, but alas, here we are. Bowling Green at 3-0 against the spread this season. All three games have hit the under. Uh, Minnesota 5-2-1 against the spread in their last eight. Two overs and one under in 2021. Uh, Bowling Green, surprisingly, you get rid of Brian Van Gorder and the defense gets better. They are number 40 in yards per play defense so far this year, 4.8 yards per play. Minnesota's offense, number 67 in that stat on the offensive side. Uh, yards per play offense, 5.4 yards per play. Kyle, let's uh, let's jump over to you. Tell me about Bowling Green and Minnesota. Yeah, I was just going to say, Gary, I feel like this is one of the bigger drop-offs we'll ever have, right? We go from Notre Dame, Wisconsin <laughs> to bowl, talking Bowling Green. You know, I don't want to disrespect Minnesota too much, but you know what? It, that's that's what this show is about. We talk really where there's is, value, so. and we do not disrespect right. the the G fives at all, right? That's right. Uh, we're we're trying to find value here, and uh, that's my goal in this one. These under the radar games have been better for me totals wise long term as well. You know, you're not going to get as much value in a a really big name game as what you will in one under the radar. This is pretty far under the radar, so I'm going back to the well with another Minnesota under last week. Minnesota held uh, Colorado to negative 19 rushing yards. Colorado has some major offensive problems, obviously. Bowling Green's 3-0 against the spread this year. And as Gary alluded to, really their, their defense is what's improved. You know, you get a better defensive coordinator in there. Pretty big improvement, allowing 4.51 yards per play so far this year. They did a good job slowing down Tennessee. You know, the, the score doesn't really uh, show how well they did defensively. They also held South Alabama's offense in check very nicely. I think Minnesota will score quite a bit in this game. Minnesota is a good offense. Their offensive line's too good. Their offense is less dynamic, though, without Ibrahim in the uh, backfield and then Rashad Bateman at, at wide receiver. So the really important thing for me in this game, both of these teams play very slowly. This The tempo here is extremely slow. Bowling Green has slowed their tempo down a lot this year. Finally, a smart move. I have to say, the last couple seasons, Bowling Green's tried to play fast, even though they're really bad and they have a big talent disadvantage. I've never really made, uh, I've never, that has never made any sense to me because why would a team that has a talent disadvantage want to go even faster and lose by more? So now they rank 122nd out of 130 teams in pace of play. 
Minnesota ranks 127th out of 130. So very slow pace in this game. 51's quite a bit when you get that kind of tempo. I think Minnesota should be happy to run the ball in this game when they get that large lead, uh, take those long, slow drives. The long term, the big spread games have been better to the under than the games that have a smaller spread. So uh, this one tilts to the under from that factor, and I like the the pace in this game. I don't think Bowling Green can score very, very many points against any decent teams. I do think their defense is at least somewhat improved. So under 51 here for me. That makes perfect sense. Let's go ahead and make it official. Let's do the official pick here. And Kyle, the only one with a play on it. We are going under 51 on Bowling Green and Minnesota. And I can understand that. I can totally understand that all three Bowling Green games have gone under. I don't know that the books have caught up to just how slow they are playing at this point. That'll move us into another big game, at least I think. Boise State at Utah. Uh, Utah State, excuse me. 12 p.m. Eastern time. This is a big CBS game. They have moved it to a national CBS broadcast. Uh, very impressive for uh, for Boise State and for Blake Anderson's Utah State Aggies here. The line sits Boise State minus 9.5 with a total of 70. 70. Good gracious. Boise, 2-5 and five against the spread. Their last seven is a road favorite. Utah State is 3-0 and oh against the spread thus far this year. Uh, Blake Anderson came over from Arkansas State and has been uh, shocking. The improvement has been shocking. It has been awesome. Uh, Kyle, uh, well, you know what? How about this time? We're going to go back to Parker. Parker, tell me tell me about Boise State and Utah State and, and just how different these teams are a little bit. This one is very fun because Kyle mentioned off-the-radar games, and, and this is kind of on the radar. I mean, Boise State is one of the premier G5 programs, even if they've had a little bit of issue here. And, and Utah State, uh, Blake Anderson obviously has had success at the G5 level for years, even if it wasn't just at Utah State. I, I, I see a couple numbers here that are really interesting to me. So one, I would be tempted to take the over here. 70 is a lot of points. So I'm not, I'm not going to make an official play here, but both of these teams can score and both of their defenses are pretty rough. I have um, Utah State's defense at 112th in EPA per play, and Boise's at 79th. And uh, a couple of stats stick out to me that I think are really, really interesting will determine the game. So Utah State has been passing the ball really, really well, 10th in EPA per pass. Boise State is 70th um, in EPA per pass on defense. Of course, they played Dylan Gabriel and UCF, so we've got to level set that a little bit, but that'll be a matchup. Can that Boise secondary with which we were underwhelmed to start the season in our preview, remember, uh, can can they kind of lock down this Utah State passing attack? And then also, so far, in terms of extending drives, third and fourth down success, Utah State is ninth in the country, 58.97. So almost, uh, I mean, more, more, than, more than a coin flip on extending a drive if they face a third down. Boise State is allowing a 51% conversion rate on those late downs. And so if Utah State can kind of get in a rhythm and extend those drives and really grind on Boise, I think it'll really open um, their passing attack there. Both of these teams are, um, I, I think, talented. Obviously, I'd give the edge to Boise here, but I do think we'll see a lot of points here. Um, 2.99 points per drive for Utah State is 22nd. 2.52 is 42nd for Boise. So a lot of offense in this one. The under, or excuse me, the over is intriguing to me, but I don't have an official play other than I will be there with a with a cold drink in hand watching this one heartily. It's, I, I tend to agree with you. Boise normally overpowering uh, running the ball, and, and they're only averaging two yards to carry right now. Now, Utah State's defense is not exactly Oklahoma State's or UCF's, right? It, it's a little bit different. 
But uh, but Kyle, let me let me get you in here. Tell me your thoughts here on the Broncos and the Aggies. Yeah, there's been a big move up on that total from 63 and a half up to 70. So a lot of people like the over in that one. It makes sense to me. Uh, 70 is awfully high. It's hard to take over 70. But uh, Utah State covered last week and ended up winning outright. That money line was plus 250 or something like that there against Air Force. That was a tough spot for Air Force. Going to go back to the well here with Utah State. You know, I, I just think that if you put Team A versus Team B in the stats here and you didn't know what the name was, and you didn't have any preseason expectations, there's no way you could have plus nine and a half on Utah State here. Um, Utah State is 3-0 and against the spread, and their covers have not been close at all. In fact, they're covering by an average of 16.8 points per game through three games. Um, it's hard to find a bigger coaching jump than Gary Anderson to Blake Anderson. Uh, you know, it's about as big a jump as you'll get. Blake's 49-41 and 41 ATS in his 90 games as a head coach. Logan Bonner, a huge step up at quarterback as well. He's been excellent. You know, to me, it's just Boise State has the big name. Utah State doesn't have the big name. They're obviously going to be priced a little bit differently because of that. Having said that, Utah State has 12 plays already this year of 30 yards or more. They rank third in the nation in offensive explosiveness. Uh, the Utah State's defense is fairly weak, and I certainly do expect Boise to score points here. I think this is a close back-and-forth game. Uh, Boise's running attack has been pretty non-existent this year. I suspect they'll run the ball a lot better in this one than they have, but they're averaging 2.06 yards per carry. PFF rates this offensive line is really bad. Fifth worst in the country in run blocking grade and 12th worst in pass blocking grade. So the offensive line is... Uh, the biggest problem for them and their negative 0.25 yards per play margin. So to me, this is one of those, if you take team A versus team B, you get rid of the names, you're not going to get more than, you know, plus five or plus six in a game like this. But instead, Boise comes in with big expectations before the season. Utah State over, over, over under a set at like three, three and a half. And now Utah State is surprising, but it's hard to catch up to how good they are. So until they show us a reason not to, I have to go ahead and back Utah State again. And Kyle, what I'm curious about here, this is a 10 a.m. local time kick. It, it, do you think that that has any kind of impact on the game? I know, you know, it, if if this was a normal Boise team, strength is easier to wake up. Like, I, I think it's easier to get up and do push-ups than it is to run sprints, right? And, and Utah State is finesse. They're a very fast team. They throw the ball all over the yard. Does that make any difference in this game, you feel like? I feel like that's hard to quantify who that would help or who that would hurt in a game like this. Um, I guess I'd be a little bit concerned about taking a really high over in an early game just because it's so different for players. I know in college basketball, that's been the case. These really early games usually go under the total. I don't think it's exactly the same in college football. So I guess it's a, that's a long way of saying I'm not sure, Gary. <laughs> totally understand. Uh, I, I like it here. I, I like Utah State. I think that they are being vastly underrated so let's move to the official picks here and kyle and i both agree and we'll, we'll see if this is any different than when parker and i agreed last week uh but kyle and i both agree utah state plus nine and a half is the way to go parker is going to pass on this one and that is okay that is okay because you never know with these early kicks right uh want to go ahead and remind everybody make sure you like the video i see a lot of people in the chat casey james trey uh, steven etc like that video for us. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel so that you know when we are going live. And, of course, don't forget about the show tomorrow, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, Part 2.
We're going to be doing the afternoon show. And, uh, and of course, as always, sign up. Use the promo code. It's in the link down in the description. Let's move on to the next game. Miami of Ohio is headed to Army. Another 12 p.m. Eastern time kick here. And Army has just been rolling, folks. The line sits currently Army minus 8.5, total of 48.5. Look, Miami 2-6 and six against the spread, their last eight as a road underdog. Army 3-2 and two against the spread, their last five as a single-digit favorite. Uh, you know I like these these different kind of trends here, these, these different stats. Miami of Ohio is number 109 in, uh, in yards per rush defense, and that is not good because Army runs the ball 93% of the time, and they are really, really good at it. They are number three in the country, 331 yards per game rushing. Army is fantastic. I, um, I do feel really, really good about this game, but let me get some stats in here. Let me get some numbers in. Parker, we'll jump over to you. Tell me about the Black Knights here. What is, uh, what is Army going to do in this situation? I'm laughing at myself because the first game of the this, this season, I picked an under for Army and thought, yes, this will go well. And they have just been <laughs> they have just scoring uh, at an alarming rate. I don't know what whatever whatever they said to themselves, to their offense at the beginning of the year. I need somebody to say to me every morning just to get me that amp to go out and just absolutely take on the day. They are fifth in offensive EPA per play, 0.321 overall. Uh, big kicker for me, field position, ninth overall in starting field position. And they are first overall in net field position. Army is getting great favorable field position, um, and they are getting quality possessions at a thirty uh, or at a forty-two point nine percent clip, which is thirtieth in the nation. Um, don't sleep on either quarterback and their big playability. They run a lot, and so that brings your averages down. But really explosive um, through the, through the run game for Army, and again, they are running you know ninety three percent of the time, and so they're really just going to wear on some folks. Miami, Ohio has had a really rough go of it. Their rush defense negative zero point two three seven EPA per rush. That is not going to go well against Army here. And one kicker, especially as Army is a team that really likes to play three and four down ball in a series. Uh, Miami of Ohio is allowing uh, 57.8% third and fourth down success, which is 77th in the nation. Um, they, they're really, really just struggling kind of all around this year. And so I, I, I like Army here a lot. I think they're really fun to watch. Um, and I think that they should cruise to an easy victory here. Kyle, do you have a, a thought on Army? Parker, you said it was 57.8% success rate on third and fourth down. That they were uh, the Miami is allowing fifty-seven point eight 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 nine percent. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a great stat, Parker, for a game like this because we know that Army's going to be in a lot of these third and shorts, fourth and shorts, and they're not afraid to go for it on those because they can get that couple yards pretty easily. I think that's a fantastic uh, stat to bring up. You know, the Army offensive line was the biggest question mark going into this season. In my preseason notes, you know, that was the big question mark a lot of people had. Munkin said this unit was going to be better than most people thought. And so far, he's been absolutely right. Uh, they've graded out 21st in offensive line grade at PFF. They pushed around Georgia State, Western Kentucky defensive line. Uh, UConn, I don't think they really count, but they did good against them too. Uh, Army won 31-30 to in double overtime when these two teams played back in 2018. Now, I don't think that's necessarily predictive of anything for now, but I did want to point out, how many passes did Army complete in that game? You guys have a guess? I'm going to go with three. three. <laughs> yeah, zero. 
<laughs> zero completed passes in a double overtime game. They only tried two, so it wasn't exactly <laughs> like they tried a lot. And, uh, you know, Anderson's not a bad passer for Army. I feel like he's better than some people think at passing, at least compared to the guys that they've had before. He's plenty good to sneak up on you and allow you to sleep and get that uh, deep pass. I think that has really helped keep the defense a bit honest this year because before there was absolutely no chance they were completing a deep pass. Now it's at least possible. Before the season, I would have thought I wanted the under in a game like this because I thought, you know, like Parker said earlier, I thought that Army would be a good under team. Now the money is coming in on the under. It's gone from 52 down to 48 and a half, 48. You know, we see this uh, people wanting to go against the Army overtrend I can't take an under at this low of a number with Army. They've been proving very successful offensively. You know, this is a game where if I had to take a side, I would take Army, lay the points. Um, I can't take anything on the total. Army has just been so successful on offense. I don't think that Miami can be as efficient on offense as Army can. Uh, That's the difference to me. That's exactly my thought on this. Uh, Stat that I had written down, of course, number one in points per drive is Army. Miami, uh, number 116 in defensive points per drive. That is not good. I I love this spot. My line on this was actually Army minus 14. And the fact that it opened up at six or six and a half, I think I got it at six and a half before it moved. I still love it at this number. I would still bet at this number. So let's go into the official plays here. I believe I am the only one with an official pick. And I'm riding with Army. I love what this team is doing. I think they are being underestimated here, uh, undervalued. I'm going to roll with Army minus eight and a half because I do think that they are going to cover. I think they're winning by double digits in this game. I don't think Miami is set up to be able to handle this rushing attack. With that said, we're moving into another big game, and it is another 12 p.m. Eastern time kick. Of course, Texas Tech heads to Austin to face off against the Longhorns. Texas, an eight-point favorite as it sits currently. The total, 61. 61. And these Texas Tech statistics this year are absurd. This is such a massive jump for this team from what they have been the last two years under coach Matt Wells. I don't even know what to make of this. Texas Tech number nine in offense, 7.4 yards per play, uh, 10.5 yards per pass. I mean, it's just absurd. If we just look at the matchup though, Texas Tech three and seven against the spread, their last 10 against the Longhorns, but they are two and one against the spread, their last three in Austin. Last year, it went to what? Triple overtime, I think. It was 63 to 56, and, and Texas ended up winning. They were down by 15 with like two and a half minutes left. It's just an absurd game, and you know it's going to be a lot of fun again this season. Uh, I, Parker, let me get you in here. You know about this Big 12 stuff. I don't know what this, to make of Texas Tech right now. <laughs> I've got no idea. Tell me what's going on with the Red yeah, Raiders. Yeah. Gary, I've got this literally at a coin flip, I, a slight edge to Texas, but I'm not believing that for a second. So I won't have an official play here, but I absolutely love this game. It is kind of a narrative elimination game early in the season. You know, we have Texas. Hey, maybe we started the wrong quarterback. We've got Casey Thompson in here. Arkansas is embarrassing, but we've got the full Big 12 slate. What can we do versus Texas Tech saying we need to make a bowl? For, for Matt Wells' sake this year, and maybe we're actually pretty good on offense. Now, I, I you got to severely downgrade um, Texas Tech offense just because of the quality of the opponent that they have played. I mean, the, uh, really, really close games against Houston and Stephen F. Austin and then kind of ran against Florida International. 
Um, I, I really like Texas's Texas weapons, though. And a lot of people want to start by talking about um, Eric Izukama, the wide receiver, and I will get there. But I want to talk about Texas Tech's uh, rushing attack right now because I think they have an experienced offensive line and they have two really, really good running backs in Taj Brooks and Xavier White. Brooks is averaging 8.2 yards per carry and Xavier White is averaging 7.1 yards per carry. Um, overall, on the aggregate, they're, they're using them in a lot of situations that I wouldn't use. Um, and that's the TCU fan and me disagreeing with Sonny Cumbie, who's the Texas Tech offensive coordinator. But, um, you know, so 0.006 EPA per rush, kind of a neutral rushing attack there. But I think they've got some explosive potential. Um, Whereas Texas this year has really struggled in run defense. You know, they have a they, they lost one of the better defenders in the league in Joseph Asai coming in this year, but they have a couple of really, really talented interior defensive linemen. And overall, they've kind of gotten pushed around. 93rd in EPA per rush for Texas, 0.133. Against Arkansas, they gave up 7.1 yards per rush to Arkansas and absolutely got pushed around. And if you look at that Louisiana game and watch some of the tape, the trenches don't look great for Texas right now. So I, you know, I, I like the experience on Texas's tech, Texas Tech's offensive line. I will say their numbers get inflated because they throw so many screens. People like to cite pressure rate, but obviously you don't get pressure if you throw the ball on a screen. Um, and so I, I think this will be interesting because it'll be a lot of clarification here. And I expect Texas to look a lot better than they did against Arkansas. Eric Izukama, the wide receiver for Texas Tech, is is one of the best athletes in the country. Um, he was kind of hidden by behind T.J. Vasher a couple years ago, but he is an absolute freak. Tall, physical, fast. Their EPA per pass is 0.568, fourth in the country. Uh, I don't know if Texas has anyone who can match up with him one-on-one -on, -one on the outside. Texas is going to have to get creatively on defense, which might spread out a thin rushing defense already. And so it'll be interesting to see how Texas Tech counters. Um, again, got this at a coin flip, got this at about uh, 70 points even. And so I don't have a play here, but this is a fascinating matchup. Uh, football lovers, I think, will absolutely have a great day watching this game. I, I think there will be insanity in Austin in this game. Kyle, give me your thoughts on the Longhorns and the Red Raiders here. Yeah, so I have more questions than I have answers about a game like this because, <laughs> Same. you know, I actually put in my notes here, Parker, I was like, okay, Texas Tech's defense is still bad, right? I mean, I, I think they're still bad, but, you know, PFS have, PFF has them graded at 10th and they're ninth in yards per play allowed this year. I think we can assume that Texas Tech's defense is going to regress significantly from where they are. Uh, you know, it, it sounds like Parker thinks that's probably the case. Uh, Texas Tech's offense is good. You know, I have this uh, total at 64 and a half, and I'm, I certainly lean to taking it over, but I see some of Texas Tech's defensive stats, and I'm like, wow, are, are they actually improved quite a bit on defense in this one? Uh, they're also playing slower than I would have thought. Texas Tech, 64th in tempo. Texas 102 in tempo so far this year. I would have thought those teams would be playing faster than that. Casey Thompson, the starter here, seems to be the clear leader quarterback now for Texas. I know Rice isn't great, but 620 yards and 10 yards per play is still impressive. And Rice, their defense is better than their offense. So I think that was a pretty impressive showing for the Texas offense. I think Texas scores quite a few points in this game. Texas Tech likely scores. So I have no strong lean in this game, but... I'm just confused because, uh, you know, Texas Tech, I still think their defense is bad. They haven't really shown it yet. But, you know, Stephen F. Austin, FIU, not great tests. We'll find out here. And so you you don't have an official play on this. Parker doesn't have an official play on this. I don't have an official play on this. So we don't have to go <laughs> to the graphic because I think we're all just 
interested in this. I'm I, just here. I'm just here to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're all going to pass on it, but I, I, I'm I'm very interested in whether or not uh, what we have seen from Texas Tech is legitimate, or if it's not. You know, so we we will see. Obviously, Texas is a huge step up in class from what they have faced already. Uh, go ahead and remind everybody. Jump into the chat. I see. Uh, all sorts of questions, people asking about Buffalo and Old Dominion, all sorts of stuff. We will be jumping on that stuff in the Q&A at the end of the show. But jump into the chat and make sure that you like the video. So I see a lot of you watching. Just make sure that we get those likes right on up. The show is free, of course. So uh, so help us out. Support the show. With that said, we're going to move on. And this will be the shortest preview of them all. Uh, Parker, Kyle, I, I hope that you forgive me, but I'm not even going to let you talk on this one. I'm going to take over on this one. Texas State and Eastern Michigan. Again, another barn burner. Eastern Michigan, a six and a half point favorite, total of 62 and a half. And I am not going to spend long on it, but I do have a play here, and I wanted to put it out there. Texas State, two and three against the spread, their last five as a road dog. Eastern Michigan right now is 0 and three against the spread in 2021, so far this season. Uh, Texas State lost last week to Incarnate Word, and that is even with them winning the turnover margin battle. That is with them outgaining Incarnate Word, and yet they still lost at home by eight. Uh, Eastern Michigan quarterback uh, Ben Bryant should have a pretty efficient day against a pretty weak Texas State secondary. Uh, I trust Chris Creighton a lot more than I trust Jake Spavital. Uh, Texas State has only gotten one play that is 30 yards or more on the season. I trust Eastern Michigan to be able to handle this one early in the day. So let's go ahead and move to the official play. I want to put it out there. I'm going to take Eastern Michigan here at minus six and a half. It's under a touchdown. I had this line at 10 when I did my numbers. So I'm going to roll with it. I think this should be a double digit game and I'm going to stick with it. Eastern Michigan minus six and a half is my play. Now let's, uh, let's move to another game where I know that we are going to get uh, some more conversation going Texas A&M and Arkansas in Arlington. 3:30 p.m. Eastern Time game. This is a gonna. This is gonna be a lot of fun. I just. I'm almost at a loss for words at how much fun this will be. Texas A&M, a five-point favorite currently. The total sits at 47 and a half. And there are so many notes that I could go over. So let's go over some betting trends. A&M four and six against the spread against Arkansas in their last ten. Seven of the last ten have been a one-score game. Arkansas has covered three straight, but they have lost nine straight to A&M. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, uh, Parker, let me go ahead and get you in here and and tell me your thoughts on the Razorbacks and the Aggies. Gary, if there's anyone in the world that you think can get the Arkansas Razorbacks up to break that nine-game winning streak, uh, it's Sam Pittman, right? I mean, I yes, love sir. the energy that's in Arkansas right now. I love it. Um, I think I think they're just so fun to watch and, and a really – uh, great to see a team with a clear vision and kind of improve uh, on it. The, you know, they, they, they've looked flighty at times. They've looked up and they've looked down. Um, they do get Texas A&M perhaps in the best spot that they ever have, given that they'll be playing backup Zach Caldaza. Um, thoughts and shout outs to Hayes King for, for missing out on injury. That was going to be a lot of fun to see him grow and develop this year for Texas A&M. Um, Texas A&M is also shuffling a couple starters around on the offensive line, and they haven't really kind of found that magic combination. And so I think that Arkansas could take advantage of the trenches here. Um, overall, I think there are a couple really interesting mismatches that make this game um, kind of lean towards Arkansas. So one, 
Um, Arkansas has allowed a, a really bad starting field position this this season. Um, they're 93rd averaging start at the 31.1 yard line. Texas A&M has, is only 59th in starting field position. So I expect that to be less of a factor for Arkansas this year. They'll get better game scripts. And then if you look at Texas A&M's passing offense has really not clicked this year. Granted, it's a Jimbo Fisher team. They know they want to run the ball. They know exactly what they want to be. But Arkansas is 19th in EPA per pass. And uh, on defense, Texas A&M is 82nd in EPA per pass on offense. New quarterback. Granted, he's had a full week of practice. He, he kind of, uh, you know, gets a get to be QB one for a week, maybe we'll improve. But I think that there's a there's no clear mismatch in terms of outside edge talent for wide receiver or cornerback there. And I think Arkansas should be profoundly annoying on defense, which let me tell you, that that might be Sam Pittman's brand. So I think this will be close. I think this will be physical. Um, I really, really like that uh, Arkansas gets quality possessions at a high rate. They don't score um, extremely well on them. They're they're 49th in points per quality possession, but they're getting them at a 30.6% rate. So I do think that they will kind of play into this. Let's be consistent. Let's make the plays we need to make. Let's get KJ Jefferson those nice intermediate throws that we know he can make, and let's let him run wild when we can. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, uh, you know, I, I think Arkansas skill talent is immensely underrated here. Um, looking at guys like Traylon Burks, uh, you know. Their offense is only 75th in EPA per pass, uh, but it's 23rd in EPA per rush. I think that passing offense is going to take off as Jefferson gets a little more comfortable and he can kind of find these guys in the uh, in the outside or kind of on the edge. We talked about this in the preview, but again, if you haven't watched Arkansas, this will be a great game to do it because you know that their offensive coordinator is going to pull out all the stops. They run orbit motion and a speed a sprint option to the orbit motion guy. They're running... Uh, you know, people are running motion, crossing each other, sig back and forth, left and right, kind of all kinds of crazy offense. So very, very fun on Arkansas, even if they're not exceptionally efficient. Um, this is Arkansas's best chance to get at Texas A&M. I, I imagine this is going to be similar to, you know, the, the early 2000s where Arkansas was playing 19 overtime games and kicking field goals at the last second and Hail Marys and everything. This will be this will be a really entertaining game. I tend to agree uh, on the A&M side. If you're an A&M fan, you got to be a little bit worried. Anaya Smith is day-to-day. -day. They don't know if he's actually going to play this weekend, and that will hurt that passing game quite a bit. Zach Calzada, like you said, last week, first start, he's he looks like he's got happy feet right now. I think Jimbo is going to slow this thing way, way down because that Barry Odom defense, you know that he has no problem bringing three and dropping eight, just like he did to Matt Corral last year where Corral threw, like, what, six interceptions in the game. You're going to see a lot of different things with with lineups, with personnel, et cetera, on that Arkansas defense. And it's going to be really tricky. So I think Jimbo is going to take as much time as possible with that new uh, freshman quarterback, Zach Calzada, to, to let him kind of try and ease his way into this game. To A&M's defense, I guess overall, is, is better than Arkansas's. But they have not been good against the run this year. And Arkansas, I think, is they are primed, like you said, to, uh, to take you know an actual win here. A&M number 61 in yards per rush defense. That's 4.1 yards per carry. Arkansas is number eight in that metric, 6.1 yards per rush. Just absolutely absurd. Uh, what does worry me from the Arkansas perspective, K.J. Jefferson's QBR when he's pressured, zero. Zero. He's he's awful when he's pressured. So you got to make sure he gets the ball out quick. And that's why Kendall Bryles, the offense coordinator, does a lot of the things that he does, right, with K.J. Jefferson. It's short passes, short to intermediate stuff. 
doesn't do a lot of stuff over the middle, and then they take bombs as often as they can. And they did it against Georgia Southern. So I I do like Arkansas in this spot. Uh, Kyle, you don't have a play on this game, so we're going to go ahead to the official picks here. And Parker and I both are riding with the Hogs, the Razorbacks, plus five here. This number has come down. And honestly, I'll go ahead and tell you, my line on it was Arkansas, uh, or sorry, sorry, it was uh, A&M minus three. And, and even then, I probably still would have taken Arkansas because I feel like this is a good spot for him. So Arkansas is the play for myself and Parker. Let's go ahead and dive into the next game. We got two more, and of course, we have our Q&A. So jump in with your other games that you would like for us to discuss at the end of the show. Kent State and Maryland. Sean Lewis doing it up at Kent State. Maryland, of course, has started off the year 3-0. and This is a 3.30 p.m. Eastern time kick. And the line sits currently Maryland minus 14 and a half. The total 69 and a half seems like a lot of points. But if you know how these two teams run, uh, you you can understand why it would be that high. Kent State 0-3 against the spread their last three as a dog. Um, you know, I, the under has hit in all three for Kent State. And that's a little surprising to me. But the teams that they have played kind of made it that way. So Maryland, two unders, one over so far in 2021. They have hit the under in eight of their last 10 games. They are 6-1 and one against the spread as a home favorite here. Uh, Kent State's offense has played A&M and Iowa. Uh, we don't know exactly what we've got with that bunch. Dustin Crum, though, we said it before the season. We adopted him. He is the official quarterback of the Bet U.S. College Football Show. We absolutely love Crum and what he does there and Sean Lewis's offense because they are incredibly fun. Kyle, let me go ahead and bring you in here. Tell me about Kent State in Maryland and in this total, because I, I know that's what you're on right now, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, I'm going to start where where Gary started there. Kent State three and zero to the under. Maryland two and one to the under. And what that does is that keeps this number from being really high because before the season, I think you guys remember we talked about this game was going to be coming up, and it, you know this would be one of those high flying games. I would have thought I was going to have to take over 75 or something like that in this game. So the fact that they've gone lower gets us some value. Now, this line has been bet up some throughout the week, but I still think this is a fair number. I have to say, Kent State's offense hasn't performed to expectations so far, but that's Texas A&M and Iowa. These are two really good defense, excellent defenses from power conferences. Maybe Dustin Crum isn't actually going to win the Heisman. You know, a little disappointing, but I don't think it's very fair to judge them so harshly at this point in the season. The other thing is Kent State um, – they really had a chance to score more last week. They fumbled on the one-yard line. They've had real red zone issues this year. They've scored on seven out of ten trips into the red zone, only a touchdown on five. Maryland has scored on 15 out of 20 trips into the red zone and a touchdown on only nine out of 20 trips into the red zone. So we have two teams that are expected to regress positively toward the mean in red zone offense. We have two teams that are certainly explosive on offense, Kent State's ninth in tempo in the country. They're always going to be pushing the pace. Maryland's defense looks better on paper this year, but I don't think anybody thinks West Virginia's offense is good. Illinois' offense isn't very good, and then they played Howard. So I think the Terrapins are still going to give up a lot of big plays this year. Their defense may be a bit better, but I think they'll give up quite a bit. Uh, Kent State's the best offense they've played so far this year. Uh, Talia Tagovailoa played well so far this year. Maryland has big-time playmakers on the outside. Look, Kent State's defense is a major problem. They're going to give up a lot of points, even in the MAC. I think they'll struggle to get stops here. There's going to be big plays, big plays back and forth. 
like I said, I think we get a little bit of value because these games have gone under so much. These teams have so far in the season. But I think Kent State's tempo is really important here because Maryland's going to get a lot of big plays. Kent's going to keep playing fast. I think they could score quite a few points if they're down in the fourth quarter as well. I like the over. Parker, is there a more fun quarterback battle than Dustin Crum against Baby Tua? No, I'm bristling a little bit over here because Kyle said he abandoned Dustin Crum's Heisman campaign and he subtly <laughs> insulted Jarrett Dagey, who is better than people think. So I'm a little huh, I'm a little rattled over here. No, I, I I agree with so many things Kyle said. I was kind of mentally ticking off the boxes of why I went on I went the over instead of the line here. I I, I think this is my first over no, I picked an army under. So this is my first total pick. And I like this more than the under just because this or than the the line, just because this game is going to be so volatile. The one thing that I will point out is that in, uh, for Kent State, they are 68th in echo rate, right? In, in in quality possession rate, one every three drives. That is against Iowa, and that is against Texas A&M. That's huge. Um, uh, so so again, their their opponent adjustments there are not necessarily linear. Their issues in the red zone, I think, are obviously, you know, space gets a lot shorter, physicality matters. And look, man, I love the Mac and I don't mean to insult players, but obviously the wide receivers at, 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 in, at Kent State are not going to be able to create separation against Iowa's and Texas A&M. So no sweat off my uh, off my brow for, for, for Kent State's offense. I think that that will regress, like Kyle said. Um, they are rushing the ball pretty heavily. I do think that is just because I wouldn't want to ruin my quarterback's mentality against uh, Texas A&M and Iowa. And so you're kind of balancing that. Maybe he's getting pressured a lot. And so I don't think stylistically they're changing much of what they're doing. Um, this will be a really fast game. Maryland is 101st in early downs rush rate this uh, season. So 44, they are letting it fly. Talia Tungavailoa has 102, making sure I get this right because the stat's amazing, 104 attempted passes, zero turnover worthy plays. Um, wow. every, every single ball has either been where his guy gets it or, or nobody gets it. So he's playing really, really well. They are obviously going to score again. Their defense is inflated. Um, I, I think that, uh, Dustin Crum would start at West Virginia and probably at Illinois. Um, and so the, the big thing here is you want to look at kind of the outliers field position. Maryland has been really poor on field position, allowing 30.9 starting field position on the season and only starting at their own 25 on average about a touchback. So if uh, Kent State can find a way to leverage special teams and get a little bit of an advantage there, maybe they can keep this close, but it's going to be pointsy. They're both going to want to rip off big plays and uh, a lot of open field tackling will matter. So I, I lean towards... Um, uh, I, I lean towards Maryland money line, but I'm definitely taking the over in this game, especially being as low as it is. So that moves us to the official picks here. And Parker and Kyle both agreeing on this one. They are going over the 69 and a half. And I, I tend to like it. I'm going to pass on it just because Kent State has me a little worried with how little they have scored. But it, again, it, context matters. Who they played matters. So I'm going to stay away from it. I'm going to let these two win this one. And we'll move on to the last game of the day. Before we get into the Q&A, of course, make sure you jump into the chat there. Iowa State and Baylor. That's right. Iowa State, the Cyclones headed over to Waco. They are a seven-point favorite. The juice is at minus 105. The total, 47.5. Iowa State, 7-3 and three against the spread, their last 10 as a road favorite. However, Baylor has covered three straight against the Cyclones. The Bears are 6-4 and four against the spread as a home dog. And this this coaching matchup, Matt Campbell against Dave Aranda. Look, Dave Aranda's hire of the offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes, 
has made an immediate impact for Baylor. They look so good right now. And, and on defense, they look so good. Number four opponent yards per rush. They're only giving up 1.5 are the Bears. Iowa State, number nine in the country, yards per rush, 6.1. This could be a defensive slugfest. I feel good about it. Uh, Kyle, let me get your thoughts on it before we before we toss the actual play over to Parker. Uh, but yeah, I'd, tell me tell me about Baylor here. So Baylor is plus four point three four yards per play margin through three games. I don't think Parker's too impressed by that. We'll see. But uh, the level of competition has been extremely suspect to say the least. Uh, Jerry Bohannon, five TDs, no picks. He's played very well. Uh, I'm very curious to see how he plays against this Iowa State defense. Baylor is 48.48% on third down conversion so far this year. They won't be able to keep that up. Uh, Switching over to Iowa State, Iowa State's defense is not getting enough credit for how good they are. Uh, Even in that Iowa game, you know, Iowa couldn't move the ball on them. It was turnovers that that helped them win that game. Uh, Iowa State allowing 3.40 yards per play this year, first in the nation, PFF grades their defense out as uh, 10th overall. I think that's fair. I think this is a top 10 defense. Rose and Hummel, very good linebackers here for Iowa State. Uh, Baylor's not going to score many points in this game. So the question is, how many points is Iowa State going to score? I'm not sure if I know the answer to that question. Iowa State rates 98th in offensive rushing plays success rate so far this year. With Brees Hall, that's pretty surprising. PFF grades the Iowa State offensive line as the 29th worst in the country in run blocking so far this year. So I think it's more on the offensive line than it is Brees Hall, certainly. Baylor rates fifth in yards per play allowed so far this season, but PFF has them graded 28th in overall defense rating. So they've smoothed out the numbers a bit there based on their strength of schedule. I do think Baylor's defense is above average, but not nearly as good as Iowa State's defense. Uh, The question to me is what is Baylor's offense? And I think we're going to find out in a game like this. I would have to bet the under if I had to bet anything in this game, but uh, nothing uh, official for me. Parker, again, Big 12 stuff. Take take me home here. Tell me what's going on with, with the Cyclones and the Bears. Yeah, I, I think we've got to adjust for quality of competition, and we've got to talk about the fact that Iowa State uh, just is not this bad uh, on offense. Um, they're not as bad as they've played. I think Brock Purdy – Rides ebbs and flows, but I do not think on aggregate he is as as bad as he is. I do not think they're the 112th worst offense in the in the nation. Um, they 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 struggle. They start slow, right? I'm willing to write off the FCS opener. They start slow every year. It just happens to some teams. Um, then you play Iowa immediately, and this is probably Iowa's best defense since Matt Campbell got here, which is a rough draw if Iowa State's trying to make this this year. I'm not too inspired by either of these teams. I think Iowa State's defense is so good. Um, and you look at the defenses that Baylor has played and played well against, and note, good teams beat up on bad teams. That's that's true. Um, I do not think that Jerry Bohannon has been challenged. I do not think Baylor's receivers have been challenged. A matchup that's really interesting to me is, in fact, kind of that um, Baylor rushing defense, which is negative 0.83 EPA per play, 41st in the nation. And Iowa State so far, only uh, 70th in the nation, 0.012. So again, opponent adjustments matter. That one will be really, really interesting for me. I have a a stat here. Brees Hall is the uh, ninth most uh, involved player through week three. So in terms of touch share, he's responsible for 42.6% of all plays on offense for Iowa State. They ideally want to get Xavier Hutchison 
uh, a little bit more involved. They want Charlie Kolar to get more involved. So look for them to spread the ball out a little bit more and be a little bit more multiple against Baylor than they have been. Um, the, the other thing that I will point out, names we just need to say out loud. Um, you, uh, I'm going to botch this and I apologize. Uwarzuki <laughs> is the uh, edge rusher and then Will McDonald is the edge rusher. 11 pressures uh, and 10 pressures for McDonald. These dudes are in a three down. Three linemen creating just absolute disruption. You you just cannot stop these guys. Baylor's offensive line is getting a ton of hype. They they weren't that good last year, and not many of the faces has changed, even if they have some interior offensive linemen who are going to get tested. This one, again, is a narrative breaker, right? Is Iowa State really going to bounce back and compete for the Big 12? Is Baylor's offense really that good? We're going to see. Um, I like Iowa State to cover here. I think that their defense is so much better um, than anything Baylor's faced. I think that's going to be disruptive, and I expect for them to regress on offense, particularly in the rushing game. So let's move to the official pick here. And Parker is the one with the official play. He is, excuse me, he is going to ride Iowa State minus seven, and I, I can see it. I can see it. This is the narrative buster, and I do agree with you. I'm not going to play it, but I see where you're going with it. We have got a little bit more left in this show. We're going to jump into the Q&A. want to remind everybody, part two is tomorrow. So with that said, uh, let's go ahead and dive into the Q&A here. We do have several questions. James Lill asked about SMU plus 10 against TCU. Uh, he said he likes SMU and the points. I... This game always seems to be close, but I feel like TCU has such a massive talent advantage here. Uh, SMU has not played it insanely well. Uh, Parker, I, you you know this team. What are your thoughts here? Tell me if this is out of bounds. If you want to hear me talk about this game for an hour and a half, which I will later tonight, uh, Purple <laughs> Theory podcast on Spotify. For now, I'll just say TCU's pass defense has holes. It has real holes, and SMU has real threats, and that game can get out of hand quickly. Um, I think that TCU's pass rush will be the the, the, uh, the deciding factor here. My raw numbers have this at TCU point eleven point nine or eleven point nine. So do with that what you will. I would lean towards an SMU cover, especially because. TC's philosophy as of late has been if we get up let's shut it down and rush let's make you stop Zach Evans so uh, I think pace will be an issue here um, that 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 might keep it close my uh, my line on that was actually TCU minus eight uh, so 10 seems a little high college you have a thought I'm on biased <laughs> yeah I have TCU minus nine in this one and I was going to say Parker is the most qualified to, to give an opinion on this one so uh, no strong lean in this game uh, my total was 66 so I'm right about at the number here on this one. We had uh, another question about Boston College in Missouri. That line sits Missouri as a two-point favorite on the road at BC, a total of 58 and a half. Uh, wants to know if uh, if we would take Boston College to win that game at home. I don't know what to make of Dennis Grossell yet, uh, and hopefully I'm saying that name right. The backup quarterback, Phil uh, I've, I've already jacked up the name so many times. Phil Djurkovic. Um I, he's out for the year. I don't know what to make of this BC offense without him. I, the defense has not played insanely well. Uh, I'm staying away from it for a reason. My number on it was actually Missouri minus four. It's two. I don't know what to make. I, I, I don't know. Anybody got a, a thought on this one? Yeah, I lean toward Missouri in this one. Um, I don't trust Grossell at all. I think it's a pretty big drop off there from Yurkovich down to uh, Grossell. Uh, Boston College's defense hasn't looked great either. They lost some key players from last year. Uh, I trust Missouri more uh, to be efficient on offense than I do Boston College. So certainly lean to Missouri for me. 
Uh, Dom the Don wants to know our thoughts on Clemson and NC State. You know, we're actually we make we might save that one for tomorrow. So let me write that yeah. one down. Um, and then let's see Buffalo uh, thirteen over Old Dominion. It said literally no one is talking about this game, and he thinks Buffalo samples them. I could see it, uh, Parker. You you got stats on Old Dominion. Tell me, is this team? So they're supposed to be more talented than they've been in a while, but they didn't play at all last year. Ricky Ronnie, first year head coach, which I guess now second year head coach. Is there anything to like about Old Dominion right now? They are eighth in preventing first and first downs on first and second downs, uh, which is really small sample size. Um, if you want to bet on Buffalo to cover over Old Dominion, live your truth, man. That's great. This one was off my <laughs> radar. I think that's a fine bet. Um, Buffalo's defense is really underwhelming. Obviously, they made a downgrade at at at, at coach there, um, and and so uh, Old Dominion, I think, is years away from 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 being something formidable. And so generally. Um, I mean, they're allowing 5.67 points per scoring opportunity. Um, they're bad guys. And, and and I think there's a long way to go from there. Buffalo has has looked good. I think Buffalo should beat up on them. Bet this one. That's great. I, I missed this. I should have flagged this one. <laughs> I like it. Kyle, Kyle, you got a thought on it before we get to this last question? Yeah, I had Buffalo by 15 and a half here, so I definitely lean toward Buffalo. Old Dominion has so many questions. There's no way I could bet on them, especially with uh, no more points than this, because Buffalo has actually looked pretty good. Last week, a good showing for them there against Coastal. So uh, I would I would lean pretty strongly toward Buffalo. All right, and last one here. Corgi Small said, thoughts on Marshall App State? I'm leaning towards the under uh, now that it got bet up to 60. Uh, Kyle, I know that you had some thoughts on it earlier in the week. What, what do you think about Marshall and App State? Yeah, I lean toward the over in, in this game. Um, this one has moved up a lot. So I, I think it's fair to say that you wonder about it when it's gotten up to 60 because it was 55. Uh, at the same time, my number's still a bit higher than that. As far as the side, I wanted to say Marshall with an epic choke at the end of last week. Um, I had the over in that game, so I was fine with it. But I believe they were up by 20 points or something like that. Uh, 38 uh, something and then uh, ran off 21 straight points for a, a team in East Carolina that really hadn't been very good. I don't really know what happened there. So I I'm, I don't know what to make of the side here. I lean to the over. Uh, as far as the side, my number suggests I should take Marshall, but last week's game, uh, I, I'm afraid to do it. It's, I had App State minus four in this spot, but after last week, I, I'm the same as you. Yeah. I don't know what to make of Marshall right now. Um, because last week was just a disaster, absolute disaster. Parker, you got a thought on that last one? I, I, I lean over here, too. I think Marshall's defensive reputation has not quite been priced out yet, so take advantage of that while you can because um, they're, they're giving up points. They're they're 91st in uh, EPA per pass on defense, and I hate that I'm saying this in 2021, but Chase Bryce can work with that, man. They're uh, App State's 30th overall, so looked pretty decent against Miami last year. They're really asking him to do things that make him look good, and that's about all you can ask out of a coach for a quarterback. So I like App State. Um, uh, I don't know that I like the line. I haven't, I haven't, like Gary said, a little close, but I do like the over here because I don't think Marshall's defense is particularly inspiring. Makes sense. Makes sense. So let's go ahead and jump out of the Q&A. We appreciate everybody that watched and jumped into the chat. Uh, don't forget tomorrow, Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern time, part two. We're going over the uh, the afternoon and evening slate. Uh, so let's dive into the picks recap. We're going to give you our official plays for the day in one neat, tidy little spot. Very easy to keep up with. We will start off with Parker's plays. He is taking Liberty, 
minus six at Syracuse. He's got Notre Dame plus six and a half against Wisconsin. Arkansas plus five in Arlington against Texas A&M. Kent State, Maryland over 69 and a half. And he likes Iowa State on the road in Waco minus seven against Baylor. My picks. Gary here, Utah State plus nine and a half against Boise at home. It just complete disrespect for the Aggies. Army minus eight and a half uh, at home against Miami of Ohio. Eastern Michigan minus six and a half at home against Texas State. And Arkansas plus five against Texas A&M. And Kyle rolling with some totals here. Bowling Green and Minnesota under 51. He does like Utah State plus nine and a half. Same as me, so we're riding together on that one uh, against Boise. And Kent State, Maryland, over 69 and a half. I tend to like it, boys. I tend to like it. So let's remind everybody, make sure that you are subscribed to the show and that you hit the notification bell. Comment with your picks on the games. We love to see your opinions. So jump in there, not necessarily on the chat. Jump in on the comment section. Make sure you like the video, all that good stuff. Now, let's go ahead and tell you this. Make sure you sign up at BetUS. Use the promo code NCAAF2021. There is a link in the description, but that promo code will get you 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive. I, I can't tell you how incredible that deal is. So go and sign up. Again, promo code NCAAF2021. The link in the description, you can click it. It's going to automatically toss in that promo code for you. So, uh, with that said, fellas, we went a little long today, but there's a lot of football to talk about, and we're going to do it all again tomorrow. Remember, Thursday, part two, 12 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure you are subscribed and you hit that notification bell so you know when we're going live. Fellas, for BetUS, where the game begins, we will see you all again on Thursday. <laughs>